Hey, I want to welcome everybody here today, especially out at Stone Canyon and Verdigris. And if you're online with us, really glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. Hey, today we're starting into a new series. We're going to be over in Matthew chapter 4 and into chapter 5. If you want to get there, we'll be there here in just a second. Jesus, <laughs> we're going to be talking about him a lot. Uh, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, delivered a message on the side of a hill that some have said was the greatest message ever presented by anyone. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. Some have called it uh, Jesus' inaugural address. Uh, others have called it the Great Charter of Christianity. Uh, even others have called it a Divine Manifesto. But whatever the case, that message that Jesus delivered that day has echoed through history as he spoke into our lives and into our human condition of where we are and how we are to live, and as followers of Jesus, what the expectations are for us. And so over the course of the next couple of months, we are, we are going to dive into this message and discover more of what Jesus has to say to us. Because out of everybody who has spoken to our humanity over the years, philosophers, theologians, great religious leaders, uh, historians, educators, the list goes on of all who have tried to uh, understand us as humans, none has uh, ever measured up to what Jesus has had to say. Because Jesus, when he spoke to this, to, to us, he was speaking from the perspective as our creator. Therefore, his words are on a whole different plane than any other words that have been spoken by others. And so, because of that, we have to pay special attention to the words that Jesus has to say. Because his words, they are transcendent. His words are timeless. His words are inspired. And so over the next several months, we want to spend time listening to and studying and drilling deep into Jesus' inspired message, this message that I believe speaks to every one of us. A little bit of context of where we are here in Matthew chapter 4 and 5. Jesus uh, has just been baptized by John the Baptist, and then he goes into this time of temptation with Satan. And, and after that time where he just throws the word back in Satan's face, he, he then goes into a time of, of rest and, and recuperation. And then he begins his ministry. He begins to, to, to call the disciples who are going to be his followers and then he begins to launch into his ministry. Matthew gives us a little glimpse of some of the things that are happening in this time. We know that John the Baptist has now been arrested. And look at verse 13 of Matthew chapter 4 as it says this, And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that, was, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be 
fulfilled. Matthew begins to give us a little bit of a, a, a geographical idea of where things are happening, and he even uses some of the terminologies from the Old Testament, I believe, because there's some, some important things for us to understand between the, the Old Testament and what's happening here in the New Testament, some prophecies, and that's why he speaks of uh, Zebulon and Naphtali. And, and Speaking of this area where the Jews are, this was the area where the Jews had been taken into captivity uh, to, by the Assyrians and, and, and long ago, but now uh, they're back. Many are in this area. Of, Jews have come back to this area along with many Gentiles in this, in this place. And so Matthew goes on to, to share this prophecy from Isaiah that he connects to this time with Jesus. Look at verse 15. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Matthew points out that this is a place, a time of, of darkness among the people who were there, who, who were living in what he called, what Isaiah prophesied, living in this time of the sh- under the shadow of death. But it's in this place, in this darkness, that a light has come. This light has dawned. And what he's saying is, Jesus is here. <laughs> he's, he's come, just like the prophecy that was said. Everything is pointed to this, and now he has come to this place, to this time, to this people who were looking and waiting. And so Jesus comes on the scene after 30 years of intentional obscurity, staying out of the limelight. Now he's seeing this as the time, the moment for him to to step onto the scene. And, And people are beginning to find out about him. They're beginning to hear stories about him, things that he's been doing and things that he's been saying and so people are beginning to show up look at verse 17 from that time jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand jesus has a message and it is an urgent message repent change your way of thinking change your way of living you're going your way now change and you need to go God's way goes right back to what we talked about last week a little bit the, uh, at Easter when we talked about you are here, you are in this place, this is your reality, this is your life, like it or not, this is where you are, all your choices, all the things that have happened to you and all the things you've done all have led to here, but now it's time to repent, to change and go from here to there, that's what Jesus is calling them to do, that is the basis of his message. Those who were, here's what we need to know, we'll find out about this here in just a minute, but those who are gathered, they listen to Jesus at this time, many of them came in this place, when they're here, was a, was a place of hurting, was a place of pain. There, many of them were outcasts, they were the sick, they were the crippled, they were the lame, they were the demon-possessed, they were, they were kind of the outcasts of society, and now here's this one who has come, who is, who is speaking truth, who is teaching different than any others, and, and so now they are coming to listen to him because maybe, maybe he can help me move from from here to there. And they don't even understand what there is yet, but he is one who is able to bring them hope. And so he comes with this message of of repentance and this message of of a kingdom, this kingdom of heaven. 
It's a kingdom that's different than any other kingdom. And that's one of the first things we have to see. This, this kingdom that he's preaching is a different kind of kingdom. And the people that Jesus was speaking to, they were, they were eager for this kingdom to come. They, had, they knew, many of them knew the prophecies. They knew that, that this one would come to establish this kingdom. And they were holding on to those prophecies, prophecies. But what they were holding on to was somewhat skewed. They didn't quite understand what this kingdom was supposed to be like, this kingdom of heaven that he came preaching. Look at verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. He is teaching them, trying to help them to understand what this kingdom is like. It is a different kingdom than any other kingdom. It is a kingdom that is not of a military power. It is a kingdom that is universal. It is an eternal kingdom. It is a kingdom that is both now and here and among you, but it is also a kingdom that is not fully understood and experienced and one day will be it's a kingdom that is different than any other kingdom in the world but like any other kingdom of the world there is a monarch there is a ruler there is a king but just like this kingdom is different than any other kind of kingdom or any other kingdom so it is with the king. It is a different kind of king in this kingdom. You see, every kingdom has this king or monarch, typically of great power and authority. And oh, this king has great power and authority, but he does not wield his power and authority like other kings Matter of fact, this king, he was prophesied about over in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. It spoke of him when it says, God says, I will raise up for for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. He is a king that speaks the very words of God. I don't know that there's ever been another king that could say that. Go on in our text, Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, and it says this. Talking about Jesus, Matthew continues to tell us more about Jesus, our king, king of this kingdom. It says, so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. This is a different kind of king. He is not just a teaching king, as we talked about, as he's already began to preach and, and teach, but he is a healer king, as, he is, as they are bringing all those who are sick and the outcasts, and he is healing them of their ailments, their crippling diseases. He is a healing king. He is a delivering king, delivering them out of the hurt and the pain that they're experiencing in this life. And so this different kind of a king, he is attracting attention and crowds are gathering and they are ready to listen to this king. Though they don't really understand him as a king yet, but they're here to listen and to understand more about who he is and to discover more about this different kind of kingdom. And maybe understand him more as a different kind of a king but also, as Jesus is about to unpack, 
they're going to begin to understand that they are to be a different kind of citizen. You see, this different kind of kingdom has a different kind of citizen that, that lives within, within it, that are part of this kingdom. That if we're going to be a part of this kingdom, we've got to live a different kind of life. And so Matthew begins to unpack for us what Jesus tells them about what it is to live the kingdom life. Look at verse 1 there in Matthew chapter 5. Talking about Jesus says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Let's stop there for just a second. This is very typical for a rabbi, that he would gather his disciples, he would sit down among them and, and begin to share with them and to begin to teach them. But we know it wasn't just the disciples that end up coming around him to hear from him. The entire crowd comes up, and they want to all hear what he has to say, to hear his teaching. We, we know the whole crowd's coming up. If you go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, it talks about all of them heard, and all of them were amazed of all the things that he had to say in this Sermon on the Mount. So you have two different groups that are listening. You have one group that's here. There's the crowd they're hurting, or they were hurting. Many of them have been healed by Jesus, and, and, and they've been, they're amazed by, by Him. They're, they're just trying to figure out, who is this guy? They're here, not following Him yet, not sure who He is, but they're here. But then you have another group over here. Those are the disciples. They went from here to there, okay? And they have now chosen to follow him. They've chosen to begin to live the life in the kingdom. And so he has both groups that are listening to him, and he begins his sermon by talking about how to live a blessed life. Again, this would be uh, very regular, normal for a rabbi to speak in this type of a language about how to be blessed, how to live a blessed life life. And so he sets into what we know as the Beatitudes, these ways that we are supposed to live. And the first four that he gives us speak to our vertical relationship between us and God and how we are to live in that relationship with him. Look at verse three. First one says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit really speaks about humility I think there's a reason why Jesus started here, that he started with humility, this being poor in spirit, because pride is the root of all sin. And it has to start there. If we're going to be in this relationship with him, we have to, to see ourselves for who we truly are and humble ourselves like we talked about last week with, with John whenever he came face-to-face -face with Jesus. He, just, he was left on his face on the ground. Matter of fact, the word humility has an idea of being on the ground, face down. Jesus starts there. If we're going to start living this kingdom lifestyle, this different kind of life, it's going to start with humility, being surrendered to God. And we know this. We are blessed when we have an attitude of humility, surrendered to Him. You see, we're to be different because we seek to live a life under the direction and the lordship of Jesus. 
unlike anybody else in this world, the other people of the kingdom of this world who live for self and it's all about me and my ego. That's not how we're to be. The promise there is there's the kingdom of heaven, that we have this promise that one day we, we are humbled here, but one day we will be in the kingdom of heaven where we'll be with the king forever and ever. Keep going. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This isn't a mourning for a, a situation or a loss in our life, but it is a mourning for our sin, uh, a repentance for our sin. It's a, having an understanding of our standing before God, our unholiness, our sinfulness, and that we mourn for it because we understand that it's that sin that brings division between us and Him. It's that sin that hurts the heart of God. Do we really mourn over our sin? You see, we're to be different in that. We, we recognize, Jesus wants us to recognize that we are blessed when we understand our sinfulness, when we understand that sin, our, our standing before God, when we have unrepentant sin you see we're to be different from the world from the rest of those in the kingdom of this world because we recognize our fallenness and we realize that we're separated from god by our sin we recognize our brokenness and in repentance we think different in repentance, we, we see that we want to move from here to there. We want to, we want to change the way we live because we're citizens of a different kingdom, surrendered to a different king. So we want to live different. We want to, be, we want to understand our brokenness and fallenness. And the promise is this, that they shall be comforted. We, we, we might mourn over our sin, but we know that we're going to be comforted. We are comforted because our sin has been dealt with and taken away by the sacrifice of Jesus. Keep going. Verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. When I think about meekness, the idea that we're to be meek, I think about strength under control. Some people think of meek, and oh, they're weakling, you know. and uh, That's not the idea. It's having strength, but we have, a, we have control over that strength. I think when Paul describes Jesus over Philippians 2, he gives us a great example of meekness. Whenever he says, uh, speaking about Jesus, he says, who being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Jesus was an example of meekness. Are you going to say that Jesus wasn't powerful? <laughs> Go for it. He was, but he had it under control. You see, we're to be different by not demanding our own way and making power grabs wherever possible like many do in this world, but no, we are to approach life and approach others and approach God with a spirit of meekness. He says there, the promise is we shall, they shall inherit the earth. You see, it's many of the kingdom of this world who are grabbing for the things of this earth, going for all the pleasures of this world, uh, and using all the power and leadership and, and everything they can to grab whatever they can. But for those who are part of God's kingdom, it's not like that. But the promise is, one day, 
we will receive all. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. If I could sum that up very easily, I'd just say this, love God. You have a love for God. He, he describes it, Jesus describes it as having a, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, that, that you seek being in that right standing, that living that right life for God, and you desire that. You, that's what brings you satisfaction, is living that life for Him, His way. You're not satisfied by the things of this world. You understand that this world cannot bring you satisfaction. That satisfaction is only found in God. And so you strive to be in that intimate relationship with Him. You see, we're to be different because we don't go after all the things of this world. Those things that we just know won't bring us satisfaction. That's so different than than the people of the kingdom of this world. That's all they go after. But he says here, if we hunger and thirst for that righteousness, the promise is this, we will be satisfied. If we seek after him, if we desire to be in that relationship with him, he'll draw near and we'll be satisfied. The second set, the next four Beatitudes, speak not of our vertical relationship with God, but our horizontal relationship with, with others, with people. Look at verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive merciful. If the last one was love God, this one is love people, <laughs> all right? That we're merciful towards them, that, that we're willing to give even those that don't deserve maybe, we give to them, we meet their needs. We're, we're to be different because we go out of our way to help others. That's the whole premise of Love, love 918, our, our ministry is we push out in our communities and we want to reach others and, and make a difference in others' lives, we, we want to show the mercy and grace of God to them. That's what we're called to be. I just heard a statistic this week that says that it's followers, followers of Jesus are twice as likely to, to uh, care for foster children than, than anybody else. Uh, man, that's a great statistic. It's like, yes, go church. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to lead the way in being merciful towards others. The promise there is if we give mercy, we'll receive mercy from God. And that indeed we do. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart, the pure in the way we think, pure in the way we act, pure in our motives. We're supposed to strive for purity. And the blessing in that, we're to be blessed in that type of a life because we're not dealing with the, the consequences of living the, the impure life. The consequences of the shame and the guilt and the hurt and the pain that is caused by, by living a life of impurity. Man, that is so different than, than this world. Matter of fact, this world so questions that, the, the purity of followers of Jesus. And, and matter of fact, they look at us and they say, man, you're weird. Look at a young Christian couple who is, who is abstaining from sex until marriage, and they go, you haven't had sex yet? That's weird. You're not living together? What? That's weird. It's, and it's become weird in our culture and our society to, to live that way and to think purely. But Jesus says, if you want the blessed life, 
you want the, the way to true happiness, live with purity. He says the promises you'll see God. How does that lead to seeing God? Because God in himself is pure. When you're living out that kind of a life, you begin to see God all around you, I believe. You see, we're to be different because we strive for purity in our thoughts and our actions opposed to the things and the ways of this world. Look at verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We are to, to seek peace. In all the situations that we find ourselves in. Do you know those people in your life, in your office, at your work, in your class, on your team, that it just seems like they are always looking for a fight? <laughs> you know, they walk in the room and it's kind of like, okay, are you going to bite my head off now? You know, it's like, you just know, that's just kind of how they're wired. They're ready to argue. Matter of fact, they get energized when it comes to arguing. We're called to be peacemakers. And we're blessed. We're blessed when we live that peacemaking kind of a life because we don't find ourselves in the middle of the conflict all the time. We don't find ourselves in the middle of the drama all the time. No, we're called to be peacemakers. Now, I believe it, it doesn't mean that we're to be pushovers we don't, we don't, uh, or that we don't confront issues. No, we do. We need to confront issues and, and things that uh, get in front of us. But we do... Do so in such a way that leads to a peaceful resolution. We do so with a gentle spirit, with love and humility towards those who are working with. We strive for peace. You see, we, we are to be different from this world in this kingdom that we're a part of because we don't demand our own way on others. My way or the highway. Instead, we seek peace and it's in that that we have the promise that we'll be called sons of God because we're emulating our father of peace verse 10 blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven we are blessed when we are suffering for Jesus notice notice suffering for Jesus not suffering for being an idiot okay because there's plenty out there that that raise their signs and and do all the things that, you know in people's face waving their bibles and everything and just to hack people off and when they get hurt and they go persecuted for Jesus no 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 when you live a kingdom lifestyle you do stick out. You do look different. And sometimes people don't like that. And sometimes you're persecuted. It's interesting whenever you read some of the stories of the martyrs of the past and you read about how they were killed and their countenance as they were being killed. How they praised God. They sang songs. They, they prayed for those who were killing them. And, and they just had a spirit of joy. I think of Stephen over in the book of Acts we just studied about recently. Who had the face of an angel in the midst of his being killed. That's what we're called to, is to, to, in the midst of our persecution, remain joyful, 
You see, that's so different from this world. We're to be different than in the midst of trials, in the midst of persecution. We're able to maintain joy. That's where Jesus goes on in the next couple of verses as he kind of elaborates a little bit more on this. Look at verse 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you and falsely on my account. Have you ever had that happen? People come against you. Verse 12. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you you're in good company if people at work come down on you you lose your job because of your faith had somebody recently that that got in trouble for having a bible on their desk you know what when that happens rejoice have a peaceful spirit be humble in the way you handle it rejoice you see we're to be different if we're going to live this kingdom life if we're going to be followers of jesus we're to be different it's interesting he begins this list with a promise of you're going to receive the kingdom of heaven and he ends this list saying hey you're going to receive the kingdom of heaven because we're part of the kingdom if we live this way as as we live this way striving to to live out what god has called us to we know that we're a part of that kingdom You see, we're to be different. Are you different than the people around you? You wear the name Christian, but do you look like everybody else? Do you act like everybody else? Do you talk like everybody else of the world who's of the kingdom of this world? We're to be different. Paul talks about that over in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, when he says that our citizenship is in heaven And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our citizenship is. It's in the kingdom of heaven, not here. And so our lives should look like citizens of that kingdom, not the kingdom of this world. Some have taken these words of Jesus kind of two directions. Some have said, you know, Jesus is laying out a a new law for us, and and so now, in order to be right with God, we have to obey this new set of laws. Good luck. Others have said, well, Jesus has elevated the existing Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments. He's taken that, he's taken it to a whole other level, and and he he has, it took a whole other standard, but no one could live up with the first set, and no one can live up to this set, and so why even try? Well, I would say yes, he did elevate it. He took it to a whole nother level. But it's not there for us to find our salvation. and Find our salvation. He didn't give this to us and say, okay, here's the way you're to live, and if you live this way, then you have salvation. That's not what he's saying. I like how Ravi Zacharias speaks to this whole idea when he says, you look at the laws of Jesus of Jesus and of God and what he lays out for us, and here's how I want you to live. And he says, you know what, it's much like a mirror. As you look at yourself in a mirror, and you look at your reflection in the mirror, and in the mirror you see dirt on your face. And when you see that dirt on the face, you don't go and rub your face on the mirror to get it off, do you? No, the mirror is only there to identify the dirt. And then you go somewhere else to go find cleansing. So it is with what Jesus has presented to us today. It is there to 
for us to look at our own lives to be a reflection to say, okay, am I living with uh, humility? Am I living with purity? Am I living with a, a sense of meekness? Am I a peacemaker? Is that me? Am I facing my trials with joy and rejoicing? Is that me? Or if not, then what do I need to do? What, what sin in my life do I need to get rid of? And so we can go somewhere for cleansing. And where do we go for cleansing? Jesus. He provided the way. As we look into this law, we look into what God has, has laid out for kingdom followers, Jesus followers, and we say, you know what, I don't measure up. Maybe I'm, you're still over here and you're, you're in this, I'm not a follower. You're in that crowd group that's listening to Jesus that day and you're, a, you're not a follower of Jesus and you look in this mirror of all the things that he says and, not, and you say, this is the way to the blessed life. That's the way to the greatest life and I'm not living that way. My life, matter of fact, is in shambles. I want that life and I want what Jesus offers. And so you go to him for cleansing. You've looked in the mirror now this morning. Now let's go to him for cleansing. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he died for our sins. His blood was shed to wash those away so that we can go from here to there with him in salvation to become a citizen of his kingdom, to walk with him in this blessed life. We've got to stop trying on our own effort to be right with God because we'll never be good enough. We don't follow this list that He's given us in an effort for salvation, but instead we strive to live out this list that He has given us for His glory, that glory that He deserves. You see, that's different. That's different than any other religion and philosophy of this world. You see, living a Jesus kind of life results in the, the best life. Re living a Jesus kind of life results in a blessed life. If you want a blessed life that he talked about here, then you live the Jesus kind of life that he has laid out for us. It, 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 I didn't say that it's going to be an easy life. No, no, no. But it's the blessed life. If you'll just... Surrender to Him and live as a citizen of His kingdom. Different than ever, anybody else in this world because we're a different kind of citizen. Because we have a different kind of king. Because we're a part of a different kind of kingdom. Let's strive to live a blessed life. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the teachings that you have brought to us today. God, help us to take this in, not just to wash over this time and just think, oh, that was neat and that was good and heard that before, you know, and move on. But God, may we, may we slow down and think. May we examine, may we look in the mirror of your word, see the things that we need to change. See what it's going to take to move from here to there as we surrender to you and we strive to live for you. So God, we lift our lives to you. Continue to grow us. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.